Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute, we're going to review one of our foundational single leg exercises, and that is the K-Box Split Squat. Just like with the squat, guys, make sure you got that tether taunt when you're at full extension, and set yourself a counterbalance. Here we're going to use the barbell on the rack. Sink it down just like a regular split squat, chest tall, and drive through that front foot. I really like that back plate there to take tension off that back toe. As we progress forward, that's going to be big time to help us even keep our weight forward more. As we increase intensity and decrease volume, we're also typically cutting depth, therefore increasing transfer when we're looking at stopping power at a greater height. Guys, give this one a shot. I'm sure that this is one that you're going to find some great carryover for your athletes. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat. Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Dennis, man, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Fired up for this conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, Coach. Yeah, man. So listen, though, before we get too far into this, let's let you know everybody know, you know who you are, where you're at, and how you got down there. Uh, so my name is Dennis Kerstetter. I'm the head strength and conditioning coach here at Shippensburg University. Uh, I have been here for uh, a year almost to the date. Uh, I started last August um, and uh, uh, it's been a great, great experience here. Before here, I was the uh, first ever uh, strength and conditioning coach at King's College, which is a small division three school up in uh, Northeastern PA or NEPA as they, uh, as they affectionately call it. Um, and, uh, Prior to that, I uh, had short stints um, as an intern at Temple University with Coach uh, David Feely when he was there with Coach Collins, and then uh, uh, Villanova University really briefly with Coach Cox before he took the position down at Baylor. Uh, and then um, uh, prior to that, I was a GA at St. Francis University, and that was really my first uh, my first job in the field. Um, past uh, being an undergraduate intern. And I, I, I did my undergrad at, uh, at IEP where I also played football. So Division II school here in PA. Yeah, man, they're in the, are they in the PSAC or? Yep, yep, so. Such an underrated league that people don't know much about when it comes to Division II sports. You got, you know, Slippery Rock, Lock Haven, IUP. Like there's like some good Division II athletics up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, and and I think it's only on the rise. Uh, to be honest, it's we, we're seeing more and more. Um, I mean, heck, we 
we here at Shippensburg uh, got some some uh, transfers and stuff like that that just stud that are just going to make the level of competition that we're going to be able to kind of play with really really high, you know. And and it's really exciting to see some of these some of these stellar athletes come in, uh, which just again just raises the level of competition around. Like you when you go when you go against teams that have some some guys that have Division One talent, but something happened, you know, as you know, something happens and whether the grades weren't the best or, or uh, they made a mistake, you know, uh, they, they're given a second shot at playing the game, but that still doesn't take away from the talent they have to play the game. Yeah, man, no doubt. And then even more so underneath that, you get a, a wide range of like people from around the world, like in, in division two, like it's, it's really an interesting thing that I think that a lot of people, just be, I mean, as a Division three guy, like, growing up, like, I think that people, uh, like, they, they just don't understand that there's a lot of good there. But there's some unique challenges, too, at those levels. And I think that that's probably a good spot for us to start at. You know, it's like, I think a lot of people like to listen to these because they hear a lot of the guys and the, and the ladies who are at these like big time places that have these really neat jobs and they get to do all these fancy things with all these tools. And, but I think all too often we forget what it means to like get in there and train a group and then like be with, not like a group, but like a big group and like what it means to, to be the strength coach. Yeah. The only, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, my time, I truthfully think that my time at Kings, where when I was at Kings, we had 27 sports, and I think they just added one. I think they have 28 now. Really set me up to succeed here because I was able to train um, with very little, a lot of different teams, and uh, and do it in a way that uh, really was efficient and and allowed for allowed for us to train properly and efficiently and 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 optimal level. And I think that was one thing that they saw when I interviewed here that, um, that I can handle 27, you know? So if we give me less sports, I should be able to do a better job, right? Uh, we have, we have uh, better facilities here um, just because the, at Kings, we had to share the space with, um, with our uh, general, or general student body. So that presented challenges of its own and, and my prior stints were all at division one levels. So, being at the division one level, I'm used to having all those tools and all those little nuances and, and gadgets and gizmos that that make things easy. And then when I got to Kings, I was like, I got a barbell, we got dumbbells, we got some weights. And I was lucky enough to buy some platforms for us to do some Olympic lifts. But I was like, I, don't, I have bare bones minimum and I'm gonna make do with bare bones minimum. So then when I took the next step here to ship, I, we got an up, I got an upgrade. We have, uh, we have a lot more racks, a lot more dumbbells, a lot more weights. We have a nice floor. We have some indoor turf and we have, we have some little cool little things that allow me to do a little bit more, but I, I try not to stray too far from that. My thought process and how I did things at, at, at Kings, because I mean, those nuances and on, and all of those gadgets and gizmos are great when you have them, but to be able to really program and do things with less, I think speaks to you as a coach. And that's something I try to teach my interns is, is like this upcoming, this upcoming semester and a really year, um, unfortunately 
is going to be a really, really good learning curve for myself and also for our interns. And I was able to hire an assistant this year for the first time. Um, it's, it's an unpaid position, but housing and food is covered. So it's not fully unpaid and, and they get something out of it, but that's going to be a massive help for what we do here. Um, but it's, it's I mean, it's going to be, require a lot of creativity and a lot of, a lot of getting away from our, the way we do things. Like I'm an Olympic guy. I love the Olympic lifts. I utilize the Olympic lifts with, with everyone and in some way, shape or form that might not happen this year, you know? And, and if it does, it's going to be very, very low intensity technique driven. Uh, we're going to try and maximize rate of force development, but loading it up might not be the way we go, especially here in the beginning of the semester, um, because I'm approaching things that uh, with full thought process of, of, we haven't trained since March. And, and even if, even if I have athletes that were able to find gyms or create their own gyms or do whatever throughout this time that we've been quarantined, I'm still going to approach the, the greater, the greater good uh, in terms of not having anything and not being able to do anything other than maybe running outside since March. So um, it's, uh, we've been having a lot of conversations with myself and my interns and, and my assistant about how we're going to program, how we're going to do things, how we're going to implement a lot of the things. And, and I'm a student of, of, of uh, Coach Johnny Parker um, and his book, The System. And, and I utilize that a lot in the way I do things. But uh, if you're familiar with the book, there's a, he has that. Uh, have you, have you read the book, Coach? Yes, sir. Okay. So um, if you're, if you, haven't read it and you're listening, uh, I highly suggest you you go grab it. Uh, Coach Alvin Meal, uh, Coach Parker, and uh, uh, Panarello. Bob Panarello, yes. Um, um, authored this book, and it's a great way to kind of, I think, I think it's a great book because it talks about the basics and then how you implement the basics, really, and then how you get it to an elite level eventually. Um, but he talks about a prep phase. In, in that book and, and utilizing a prep phase to kind of build that, that general base of, of work capacity and, and uh, GPP really. And that's how we are probably going to attack every team. Uh, and when I say probably, uh, the probably part about it is most of our teams are gonna probably follow the same exact programming in the fall. And, and, and I'm looking at that as like, I'm drooling because I'm like, when, when else as a strength coach in the collegiate sector, do we get to not worry about practice games, any type of non-competitive sports season where they're still practicing and stuff where we can just focus on training and focus on, on, on preparing these athletes the right way. And I'm like, I don't think I'll ever have this opportunity ever again. And I hope not. I hope not. I hope there's no more pandemics and stuff like that. But, um, but I'm looking at it just hungry and, and I'm like, this is a great opportunity to really assess movement quality, really assess uh, a, a technique, really assess just uh, the, the way they attack the weight room and, and the thought process and the intent behind everything that we do without having to worry about, uh, we got to pull back today because we got a game tomorrow, or we got to pull back today because we have practice later on and that practice we're doing, it's going to be a higher intensity full pads practice. So we got to pull back today. So without having to worry about those things, we can really structure a full off season program now that allows us to really slow cook and really get these athletes geared up the right way. Um, 
and do things in the right way and, and not have to worry about, um, uh, not have to worry about the practice, but also not have to worry about pushing strength or pushing, or pushing a, 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 a weight really. Like we can really drive home like correct movement patterns and, and, and eccentrics and overloaded eccentrics and isometrics and do all these things that are really, really great to do in the off season, but you can't necessarily do because of the soreness that it incurs and, and, and all those other things. So, um, I think, I think what we're, what we're planning here, what we kind of have as our, as our, our beginning processes of our plan is really cool. And it's, and it's something that we're going to, um, hopefully be able to use from years to come now when it comes to all of our incoming freshmen and more of a developmental program. And we get to put the, now we get to put every athlete through a developmental program and uh, it's, it's exciting. I think for me as a strength coach now, now how, how as a coach we portray that and get the, get the buy-in from the athletes might be difficult at first because they're going to want to come back knowing every single, I mean, knowing our athletes we have, they're going to come back like, coach, why am I only cleaning 135 today? I, I hit, I hit 315 before we left. Well, here's why. And, and got to make sure we break it down, educate them, make sure they, they understand the why behind what we're doing and why we are taking these regressions uh, so that, that we can progress moving forward um, is, is a challenge in itself, but uh, I'm excited for that challenge. And I think, I think the, um, the ability to put everybody through a development program really helps me, especially since I'm relatively new here. I've only been here for a year. So now those, those upcoming seniors and sophomores that I kind of wasn't able to do anything with when they were freshmen, we get to have that opportunity now and really kind of, reset them and, and make them make them really understand their intent behind moving the barbell with every separate exercise that we do. So when you talk more about that general prep stuff and things of that nature, obviously, you know, depending on what the state says and the school says and all that stuff, and if we're here, there, or another place with whatever's going on, um, comma if you're listening put your freaking mask on right now but anyway um and put it on so it covers your nose there's a great meme out right now that it's like you wouldn't wear your underwear with your junk hanging out so why would you like wear a mask with your nose hanging out uh, i love it like and i actually started asking like my guys like you know it's like like it's hanging out you know like i want to cover up uh, but uh no like so how, how do you see that impacting that initial phase and what, what are you going to be actually looking for what are you going to be like you said assessing it and looking at things that way like what are you what are your assessments what are you going to be looking at and how is that going to drive kind of the decisions moving forward because you're going to have big groups that's going to obviously be a challenge to one-on-one to -on -one it so um we're really blessed um to have an administration and people above them that really buy into the product to the overall athletic experience so we have in our weight room, we have 12 doubles, or sorry, six double-sided racks um, that are off to the side, but have enough space there that we can socially distance with one person on the rack and then the person in waiting uh, that's six feet apart. And, and uh, so we can realistically, we'll be getting about 24 in the weight room. And then we're also right outside of our door, uh, we've, we've access to <clears throat> relatively quick access to old racquetball courts that we're actually going to, we're investing some money we're buying some some half racks and we're actually setting them up in the racquetball courts themselves. So uh, we'll have other places to train 
So um, in theory, the group size that we can work within within an hour is going to be 40 athletes in an hour, uh, which really helps what we're going to be able to do and, and really helps us get athletes in more than just once a week. If I look at it as we only have, we can only train 12 athletes, like I'm looking at, because those are some of the, rent, the the initial figures that were coming out from some of our meetings. I'm like, well, we have 550 student athletes. I was like, if I can only coach, if I can only coach 12 in a given hour, I'd be, I'd, I would set my hammock up in our conference room, you know, and, and I'll sleep here and I'll live here. Um, but uh, with us being able to train 40 in an hour, uh, we're going to be able to get a lot more athletes through the door. Um, and, um, and train them the right way and go through some of these phases. Uh, and what we're really trying to do is limit our quote unquote weight room stuff to a uh, 20 to 30 minute period, depending, right? Depending on the group size, depending on what we're doing that exactly that day. And then we have a relatively quick access to our football field and using the remaining uh, 15 to 20 minutes on the field to do whether, whether it's, the first part of what we do or, or the last part of what we do, utilizing those, those outdoor areas to uh, work on speed and plyometrics, work on conditioning, agilities, all these, all these other things that would be the first thing I think that, I mean, those are the first things you start to lose at, when, you, when you're detraining is, the, is your ability to produce power and, and be able to be explosive. So um, getting our athletes back into it, but making sure we're doing it in the right ways and those are going to be the spaces, our outdoor area, uh, and our and our quote unquote. When I say conditioning, I, uh, for those of you that are listening, I'm not mean. I don't just mean aerobic conditioning. I'm meaning speed conditioning and making sure athletes are. When I say conditioning, it's more of a of a catch-all term that's saying that you're properly able to handle the demands of your sport in terms of anaerobic, aerobic, lactic, alactic, whatever. Um, and um, that's where we're going to get quote unquote sports specific is outside in the weight room. We're going to be super generic, super general. And we're going to, we're going to really focus on our movement patterns and going through range of proper range of motion and, and, and stress the body out properly in the weight room. But our, our high nervous system demands and, and those types of things are going to come outside and our, our, um, our quote unquote sports specific volumes are going to happen outside. So I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run our baseball team the same way I'm going to run our soccer team. So that that's what's going to happen outside is we're going to run them differently and do different things with them that allows them to be more ready to play whenever we do get back to play. Um, because at the end of the day, being a, a, as strength coaches, if we don't understand that the that the weight room is just a tool for us to utilize to help increase athletic ability. And, and we don't ever focus on it being outside, it's not going to translate. It's not, they're not going to be able to take all of the strength and power and all the things we're doing in the weight room and be able to translate it into them being successful on, the, on their field of play. So putting a little bit more focus on that this fall uh, and allowing for that focus to be kind of our driving force on what we're doing sports specific wise, uh, I think is going to be help us be really successful when we're, whenever we do get back to practice because then say we don't get back to practice, say soccer doesn't get back to practice until uh, January. Well, in January, they've only maybe not trained at that point for a month versus not training since March. And, uh, and we know that 
we've we've achieved x amount of yards in a, in a given session so now when we start our practice plans we can start with x amount of yards and then slowly start to build to a to a level that they're quote unquote game ready right. no i dig it i dig it a lot and so how do you see this impacting them going forward as in differently than your typical preparation work and then what are you hoping to gain out of this whether it be philosophically whether it be as a learning experience for you as a coach whether it be programming wise like where like i mean with all these things right like it's all just a hypothesis that we're trying to disprove some sort of idea or prove depending on how you look at it so what are you looking to gain a better understanding of through this and what was your first question what are you expecting to see from the athletes that'll be different from typical with your preparation oh, okay so um when i think about it i mean at the division two level which is where we're at you're you're i mean usually we get three months away from the athletes like it's usually it's May, June, July, and then part of August for our fall athletes. Um, so when we come back, we're no, we're, we normally have to progress them in a certain way uh, if you're if you're doing things right to get them back to game ready, right? We, I mean, coming in even off a three month layoff, coming in and conditioning, doing a conditioning test day one is not right and it's not optimal, right? Because you're not seeing them for a long period of time, so. Uh, what I really hope to get out of this for the athletes or what the athletes get out of this is we uh, our semester as uh, if all things go to plan our semester will end Thanksgiving break in terms of the in person part of the semester and then they'll do online finals, uh, but really they'll be away from us for, uh, for a month month and a half, depending on what sport they are and then they'll be back in January so instead of having a three month layoff we will only have a month layoff and so we could hopefully then start at a, at a, a bit of a higher point, a, a launching point, whenever we come back in the fall or come back in the spring to be able to train them the right way for these upcoming potential spring seasons. Uh, I think when we talk about our fall sports uh, and especially football, um, how we handle them coming back in the spring and getting them ready for the spring uh, and then what season in season and then how we handle the summer. I mean, I see so many issues with us playing in the spring and playing in the fall when we talk about injuries and we talk about just the, I mean, the, I think the general plan right now is that we'd start football season mid-March. It'd be done in May. Now they have June and July off and then they're back in August, back to full pads. Like I, as a former football player, I could not imagine being ready for another season in two months after playing. And it won't be a full season, but it, I mean, I don't care if it's a full season or not. If you're playing eight games, you're going to be banged up. You're going to be hurting. You're still, you're still banging heads. You're still hitting at full speeds and doing all these things in the spring season. So um, I'm worried about, I'm worried about uh, the turnaround, but I think this allows us to properly get our athletes ready uh, and, and with with less of a time off, really, because if we're training the whole way through, we'll have them. Well, I'm, my goal is to have them, quote unquote, sports ready by the end of the semester, and then we get to we get to then move forward, um, and um, we'll only have a short time off instead of a three month layoff 
for our fall sports. Um, and then, um, and I think all of our sports will benefit in the, in the spring here because all the sports will be in an off season program. Um, so it, the, the, the silver lining that I'm looking for in this for our athletes is just proper preparation because now I have time. Like I was saying earlier, um, that I don't have to worry about practice. I don't have to worry about games right now. I get to just worry about like now when, I, when we talk about uh, coach Buddy Morris talks about uh, he doesn't like calling himself a, a strength coach. He calls himself a, like a stress manager. Um, and like now when it comes to managing stress, it's easier because we're not worried about practice stress or game stress or anything like that. The only other stresses we got to worry about is school, which is a massive stressor and, and their lives, which have stress, stress points in it. But when it comes to physical demands, it's way lessened this upcoming fall. So we'll have a better chance of preparing them uh, it, the right way without having to kind of waver from that plan uh, with whatever, whatever things pop up that you, that you well know about that. I mean, somebody, they, they play, they play a double overtime game. Well, that Sunday coming back after that double overtime game is going to look way different than a normal Sunday would look the day after a game. So, um, so we don't have to worry about that. And then for me as a coach, uh, philosophically, I think this is just going to help me um, kind of paint with broader stro uh, strokes, if that makes sense. Um, and not, it forced me to kind of get out of my, my thought process of the Olympic lifts. Like I, I know we're not going into this being able to do the Olympic lifts. So let's reach into the toolbox. Let's go back to, to being an intern again and just learning uh, or remembering all the other things that you learned as an intern of how to, on how to, uh, increased rate of force development and all these all these things that we're trying to get out of the Olympic lifts um, but um, but understand that we're not we're not losing anything because we don't have the Olympic lifts it's it it's just a matter of how we program it how we structure it is, is it crucial to what we do but uh, I don't think philosophically it's it, it's I think philosophically it's helping me kind of understand uh, go back and kind of uh, go back to what I've talked what I talked to my interns about, about not being so specific in one thing. I think the more we're in this field, the kind of sometimes we kind of get specialized. And uh, now there's this new wave of coaches that are, that are looking to be more generalized and it's forcing me to be generalized again. And, and, and I welcome that because I think sometimes when I look back on my programming, I became a little bit too uh, uh, reliant on I got to be able to clean. I got to be able to snatch and I got to be able to jerk because I had, I had accessibility to all of those implements. Now that I'm not going to have accessibility to all those implements and, and moving it the way we want to move it and putting the correct loads on it to get what we're trying to get out of it. Um, I think it's, it's just going to help me as a coach. Uh, and it kind of, it allows for me to, uh, to practice what I preach to my interns about, about being able to kind of be well-rounded as a coach and, and, be able to have a deep toolbox um, and you have your, you have your tools, your hammer, your screwdriver, and, and uh, like those are your tools you use most, most often, but there are other ways to do these certain things. Um, so um, I think philosophically that helps me um, kind of just broaden my range again and helps me just kind of reset as a coach almost and kind of go back to the basics as a coach and being like, look, you don't have all this. Let's go back to King. Kings. 
you know, where I was at pre previously here, like what couldn't you do at Kings? But what could you do? And how can you implement that here? Because you're not going to do certain things. So, uh, and also too, I think it's going to put a little more value on getting out to the field. Um, certain teams, we place a lot of value to getting out to the field and, and being as active as possible, but certain teams, uh, we allowed for them to do it at practice, like basketball, basketball, it's constant speed and agility, right? It's constantly uh, like change of direction and agility stuff. So I didn't really rely on that much. Now, I'm going to have an opportunity to watch them move, do their speed and agility, but in a, in a controlled way versus the, just the, them just playing the game of basketball. Um, so um, it's, it's going to help me kind of reintroduce um, all of our athletes to just getting out in the field, running properly, moving correctly when it comes to cutting and planting and, and going through a proper breaking pa uh, pattern and then being able to come out of that break. So um, it's, it allows us to, it's forcing us to, to kind of go in that route. I love it, man. And I think that one thing for sure that a lot of us might end up getting from all this is actually, I don't know if this is going to come out right or not, but, um, questioning how much we actually need the weight room, you know, like, I think that you really hit the nail on the head on a couple things there. And, and it's at least in my opinion, you know, it, it's what we're doing right now is a bit different. What we're doing right now is, is unique. Obviously we have a unique demographic of young people that we get to work with. We have a small group right now, just men's and women's basketball, but even looking at our entire return to sport protocol, I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of teams that aren't even going to step in the weight room for five weeks. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, if we're really that concerned about them being able to, lack of a better term, survive practice, we better make sure they're in shape. And we better be able to find ways to make sure they're in shape, make sure that we progress it well, make sure they're getting faster, make sure they're able to withstand all these stresses. I mean, you were talking about Buddy. If anybody's ever heard Buddy, he's, you've heard the whole blah, 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 times body weight was sprinting, you know, this, that, and the other thing that he says every 10th sentence, whenever he's presenting, you know, like, I mean, we've all heard it a billion times, but it's, it, it, it's the truth, you know? And I think that, you know, Landon Evans once said to me, he said that the weight room is just a destination. And I think that, you know, it ends up being a point on our GPS that we may end up finding because of, you know, this really obscure time that we are living in right now that that destination might get pinged a little more than we necessarily need for these kids to actually get better. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, I think when we talk about like the coaching profession, right? When you think about those quote unquote old school guys that like, you gotta be in the weight room, bigger, faster, stronger, you know? Um, some of some of our coaching staff, I think, has some of those mindsets, and I hope that through this, through us not being able to be in the weight room as often as we would like in the off season. I mean, I straight up told our athletic staff, I was like, my goal is to plan for everyone to be in the weight room twice a week, and then we'll figure out other things to do at other times outside, uh, under the coaches, under coaches watch that type of stuff, where we're going to train, train more than twice a week, but weight room specific stuff twice a week. Uh, and if we can, if we can implement it more, 
uh, without like t without me being here 24 hours a day or uh, or um, without us taking time away from other sports, then sure, we'll, we'll explore those options. But if we have a successful football season in the spring, if we have a spring season and we're a success and we win the PSAC championship and I can go back to coach to, uh, to our head football coach and be like, hey, we did this with two days a week in the weight room in the off season. And we were really successful. We had the least amount of injuries. The guys were able to run fast. We looked, we looked explosive. And then hopefully that kind of like that, that mind blown goes off where they're just like, oh, okay. We don't need to be in the weight room four times a week in the off season. Now, hey, don't get me wrong. I love when our guys are in the weight room and I love getting after it with all, with our guys. But if, these are if this is a, if this is a catalyst to us kind of changing our thought process, especially here at Ship, where the weight room, certain teams get it already. Where they're not, I mean, our our uh, our softball our softball team loves the weight room, but they understand that, that that the weight room doesn't make them a better softball player. Like hitting hitting softballs and pitching softballs and throwing softballs, fielding softballs makes them a better softball player. Those skill those skill dominant sports are are um, they, I mean they don't really need the weight room. It just helps increase their power that they swing the bat with and, and all these all these little things. But if we can get more of our sports to kind of understand that, then hopefully we can prepare our athletes. I mean, at the end of the day, sprinting is one of the most stressful things you can do in the body. And it doesn't matter how much you can lift. If you're, you can pull a hamstring even if you squat 600 pounds because if you don't sprint often and if you don't sprint correctly. So if it comes down to me using this off season as a catalyst to explain to our coaches that, hey, getting stronger is great. And I love when, I love when we get stronger. I love when we can move weight. But what, look at our success that we had because we were forced to be outside more. We were forced to sprint more. We were forced to do things differently than just in the weight room. Look how successful we were. Look how many injuries we, we, we decreased by. Look at, look at the injuries that we have. We have less soft tissue injuries. Now we have, uh, and it's more just collision-based injuries now. So uh, if we can use that as, as, like I said, a catalyst to kind of change those thought processes, I, I mean, I'm all for it. I think, I think it's, I'm like, look, hey, I'm welcome to the challenge of this upcoming, of, of this upcoming fall. And, and I'm looking forward to learning through this challenge. Uh, and I, I might not even know. I, I know I don't know what I'm going to learn from this challenge yet. Because there, there's going to be things that pop up, situations that happen that I got to adjust on the fly and be like, all right, this doesn't work. Figure out a new way to do it now. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting time uh, that, that my number one goal coming out of this is uh, keep the athletes safe and do it the right way. But another thing is to, to show it can be done without needing to do it the same way we've always done it. I mean, the worst, one of the worst statements in the world that you can make is that's the way we've always done it. And, um, and if you're not willing to adjust, then there's no, there's no point in trying to make a change. No doubt about it, man. And I, I, I'm fired up to hear what you're doing. It sounds like y'all got a great plan. It sounds like, you know, the, the fluidity of all of it is just going to be based upon the fluidity of the times that we're living in right now, bro. And I think that that's absolutely some killer stuff. And, you know, Stat, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today, man. This is fantastic. So many nuggets in there to, to, to help people at least take a step back and think, well, I mean, you know, A, maybe I don't have it that bad. And B, maybe 
you know, taking a step back and changing my point of view is a, is a big time good thing to do right now. So I do, man. I appreciate you being so open, honest, and candid with your share with us today, man. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, we'll be in touch real soon, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, you too, coach. Have a great day. You too.